0: Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. Never before have so many people rallied around a common cause. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I co-lead a climate venturing practice at the design firm IDEO, supporting early stage climate founders and organizations. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and I've realized that when it comes to climate action, I'll be a lifelong learner looking for the best ways to have a climate positive impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you found us. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Find episodes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at InvestedInClimate.com. Thanks for joining. Hey, everyone. Today's episode focuses on what's perhaps the easiest way for you to help move billions of dollars out of fossil fuels. That's right. I said you, billions of dollars, and easy, all in the same sentence. The surprising answer to this riddle is your 401k and a young company called Sphere. I had a fascinating conversation with Sphere CEO and founder Alex Wright Gladstein, a serial entrepreneur who's making it easy for everyday people and companies of all sizes to divest their 401ks from fossil fuels. I think you'll learn a lot from this episode and walk away with a really easy and impactful action to take. So let's go. Alex, welcome. So glad for you to join us today on Invested in Climate.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: You were mentioning that you were just on a company retreat. So where'd you go?
1: We got a house in Pacifica, just south of San Francisco. And it was super fun. It was really nice. We're a true product of the pandemic and remote first kind of attitude that came of that. So we're spread all across the country. And it was really nice to be physically together and be able to strategize.
0: Yeah, I definitely experienced that in-person time of doing strategy retreats and offsites can be totally transformational, and I trust that you all had a great experience.
1: It was wonderful, and surrounded by the gorgeous nature of Pacifica. wasn't bad either.
0: Absolutely. So let's dive in. When you and I spoke before, you mentioned what was really, to me, a fascinating story of what turned you on to climate work at a very early age. Tell us what it was that helped you realize so early on that your life's work would focus on protecting the planet.
1: I was 12 years old and in seventh grade, and my science teacher, Mr. Otis, taught us about environmentalism, the environment. We did Really cool little section of our course on rainforests and how they're getting cut down and how we need to protect them. We did this video game even that was a kind of a simulation where we were scientists working to protect the rainforest and all of that just made a huge impact on me and it did end up being my life's work.
0: As well, We're grateful for Mr. Otis. And it's such so rare that at such a young age, someone gets so switched on, but hats off to teachers around the world that are able to do that. And hopefully more and more right now are focusing on climate and the opportunity to protect the planet. What about becoming a serial entrepreneur? Is that something you also figured out at the young age of 12?
1: No, that took much longer. I became totally clued into the environment, and that got focused in on climate change in particular when I got to college freshman year. It was this combination of being passionate about the environment, and then I also... Kind of came of age during the era of the Iraq War, and everyone saying, Oh, we need to go to war for the oil. And I was always wondering, What does that mean? Are we getting more oil because of that? And so I really wanted to learn more about energy when I got to college. And I I did get that opportunity, especially through this class at Tufts, which is where I went. It was this year long symposium, and the topic that year was oil and water. And I, I just got to learn a ton through this program called Epic at Tufts. So I was just 100% in on climate change, getting us off of oil and protecting the climate and the planet in the process by the end of freshman year and had no idea what I wanted to do as a career to be able to do that. So I ended up doing internships in lots of different fields. First, I thought maybe I'll be a scientist, did internships in labs, and then I thought maybe I'll go into policy because that's so important. The regulation is so important. Did an internship in D.C., Eventually, I did an internship at a venture capital firm called Lux Capital in New York. That was where they were located only at that time. And they were focused on nanotech when they first started out. This was in the early days of Lux Capital. And nanotech was a big buzzword at the time. They were the nanotech venture capital firm. And a key advisor to the founders of Lux Capital was this man named Larry Bach, who had founded 20 different nanotech companies by going around to labs across the US, talking to the smartest scientists and engineers in nanotech, and convincing them to spin out their technologies and start companies. Out of the 20, 14 of them had gone public. He was really just this hero to the four founders of Lux Capital. And hearing the stories about him from them made me realize that serial entrepreneur could be a career. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. That's what I want to do. So it was really towards the end of college when I had that internship that I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I, I wanted to be a serial entrepreneur. And the initial idea was to help get technologies out of labs that could have an impact.
0: You seem to have a knack for actually having clear insight and to being able to draw from a lot of information and, and make some decisions about your life. And I think that's what landed you in your current venture. You're now the the founder of a company called Sphere. Tell us, What is Sphere? And what's the problem that it's helping solve?
1: I came across the problem that we're solving as CEO of the first company I started, which is a company called IR Labs. And that company is a climate tech company. We make data centers and supercomputers more energy efficient by using light to move data between chips. So it was a no-brainer to me at the time to, when we were setting up our 401k retirement plan for our employees to ask our providers for a climate-friendly investment option for our employees. It just made sense. And I thought it was a simple request, but it ended up being really hard. It took years to get a single climate-friendly investment option. How come? So that is the question. It ended up taking me another year or two to really get to the bottom of why is it so hard to offer a climate-friendly investment option in a 401k? It turns out there are a few reasons. One big one is that climate-friendly funds, the mutual funds, the ETFs that are out there that are climate-friendly, are pretty much all pretty expensive. They tend to be actively managed. There are people making really thoughtful decisions about what companies do we invest in, which stocks do we pick, and they do all kinds of complicated analysis to make sure that they're good for the climate. That costs money. It costs a lot. They're called actively managed funds. And employers can be sued by their employees for having funds that are too expensive in 401ks. And those types of lawsuits happen all the time. So, in 401ks, there's a very legitimate fear of offering funds that are expensive. It's a big reason, I believe, that climate focused funds tend to not be allowed into 401k lineups. There are some other structural reasons. For example, a lot of the big 401k platforms don't allow ETFs in them. That stands for exchange traded fund. And most funds that have been built in the past 10 years have been in the format of ETF, not of mutual fund. But 401k platforms only allow mutual funds. Climate-focused funds tend to have been created in the past 10 years. They tend to be ETFs, and that means they're just not allowed on the big 401k platforms. So those are all the issues I was coming up against when I was trying to set us up with a climate-friendly option in the IR Labs 401k. And it eventually led me to realize, okay, someone needs to fix this problem, and maybe that someone is me, and that's why we started Sphere. So our goal is to make it easier than it was for me, to make it easy for employers to offer climate-friendly investment options to their employees. People who were worried about climate change, we tend to spend a lot of time thinking about our impact in a lot of different areas of our life. Are we eating meat? How much are we flying? Et cetera. And oftentimes, we don't think about where we're putting our money. What that means is that there are billions of dollars, even trillions of dollars that are just by default getting invested in fossil fuel companies, because there's been this amazing increase in popularity of index funds. And those index funds pretty much all just allocate a portion, typically 5% of their investments to the fossil fuel industry. So we just by default are investing in the fossil fuel industry, which is essentially giving the message to the fossil fuel industry of a big thumbs up. Good job. Keep doing what you're doing. And by changing that and removing our dollars from the fossil fuel industry, we're putting the brakes on that. We're saying, hey, wait a second. We don't agree with the status quo. We don't want you to keep doing what you're doing. Something needs to change and something needs to change fast. So the biggest impact that we intend to have with this approach is by sending a message loud and clear to the fossil fuel industry and to the world that this is a problem. Similar to how in the 70s, I believe it was, in South Africa, apartheid was an issue where people realized, oh my gosh, we're investing in companies that are propping up this apartheid system in South Africa. People... Created this huge movement to stop investing in those companies. And that sent a huge message. And a lot of people credit that with really influencing the end of apartheid in South Africa. It's people voting with their dollars. So we're doing the same thing here with the fossil fuel industry.
0: Very cool. That brings up something I'm curious about. Divesting from fossil fuels is a strategy that's been around for many years. Is there research showing that it's working? Is it having an impact?
1: From conversations I've had, I have seen that yes, it is having an impact. I can't point to specific studies showing the impact. I'm curious. It's a good question. I should look into whether that exists. But I've spoken with people who work in the financial industry and who've been working with the fossil fuel companies. And I've learned that where a few years ago it was not a problem for fossil fuel companies to go out and raise capital for further fossil fuel exploration, these days it's just a no go. If they want to raise capital, they've got to say it's for something that relates to the future economy. So renewables, anything besides fossil fuels, it's just apparently impossible these days to raise capital for fossil fuel infrastructure anymore. And that's a huge impact that the divestment campaign has already had.
0: Let's look at this a slightly different way. You compare it to the anti-apartheid movement, where the global community was able to send a clear message that apartheid was not okay through their divestment. And so, If we divest from fossil fuels through our 401ks, what's the message that we're sending and what impact might it have?
1: The message is that we don't want to give our dollars to companies that are actively lobbying against climate legislation that would keep us safe. Come to the table, fossil fuel companies, and be part of the conversation on what a world looks like that limits warming to one and a half degrees Celsius. It doesn't mean we have to stop using fossil fuels entirely, but it means that burning them with abandon and with no limit in place, that's the problem and we want something else. And we want to have a real conversation around that and put binding legislation in place globally that limits warming to one and a half degrees. So that's the message to the fossil fuel companies. It's come to the table, participate in that conversation and let's limit warming to a reasonable level.
0: You know, I get the sense that the amount of money in my 401k probably isn't going to make a big difference. But I think that there's a multiplier effect that happens, that it's not just about my 401k divesting, but instead it's about all of the companies offering plans and the aggregate amount of money that's then being moved and that can have a greater influence. What's about that?
1: That's so true. And it's a really cool part of creating this movement and being part of this movement within 401ks in particular. And it's actually part of why we named the company Sphere. So part of the reason for the name Sphere is because we're referring to the planet as a sphere and a a sphere that we want to protect. But the other part is that you can use your own personal sphere of influence to make a really big impact. The average person has about $6,000 invested in the fossil fuel industry via their 401k. But when you look at their sphere of influence, so where a person works, depending on the size of their company, especially if they work at a big company like Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, those companies have tens of billions of invested in their 401ks, which means that there could be a billion dollars just from your own company 401k directly invested in the fossil fuel industry. So if you are part of that movement in convincing your company leadership and your company benefits team to add a climate-friendly option to your 401k, and you now make that available to all of your colleagues across your whole organization, you can have a massive impact in actually removing billions of dollars from the fossil fuel industry. And the same even goes if you're not at a big company. Let's say you're at a smaller company, but that company happens to use Vanguard or Fidelity for a 401k. If you can get your company to add climate-friendly options to the 401k, it gets Vanguard or Fidelity thinking about that. It gets them adding those options to their platform, which then makes it easier for the next small company who comes along and asks for that. So there's a multiplier effect, whether you're at a small company or a big company, in that it really just raises the awareness and raises the ability for others to do the same
0: fascinating. What's interesting is that you just described a process that's very different than a normal way that someone makes an investment. You talked about the role of individuals talking to their benefits team or their talent team or their HR team lobbying, asking for some new options that are more aligned with their values. That's different than just selecting an investment that aligns with your values. So why don't we start with that is if someone is interested and you're making a really compelling case that our 401k investments add up to a lot and have a lot of influence, what does someone need to do to get started?
1: The first thing that anyone should do is email their benefits administrator at their company, if you're at a big company, or if you're in the leadership of your company and you have this relationship, email your 401k provider directly and ask for a climate-friendly option. And if you want help on what that email should say, you can go to our website at oursphere.org, and we have an example email template there that you can use to request a climate-friendly investment option, as well as some resources that you can point your HR person or benefits administrator or even the 401k provider to these resources to help them make that change.
0: Alex? You explained before that one of the reasons climate-positive 401ks didn't exist is because they were seen as being more expensive. Are they, in fact, more expensive? And is F.E.A.R. doing something to enable companies to offer 401ks that are climate-friendly but not more expensive?
1: Yeah, where they don't have to worry about lawsuits? Absolutely. That was our biggest focus in setting up this company. And, and actually, while I'm thinking about this, I should mention that we are not giving investment advice here. And if you're thinking about investing, you should talk to a financial advisor. But this first product that Sphere has sponsored is called the Sphere 500 Fossil-Free Index Fund. And because it's an index fund, it's rules-based it's not actively managed like the expensive climate funds I was mentioning before, it can be much more affordable. And so we're offering it at a fee of 0.07%. And that's really in line with S&P 500 index funds, which tend to be under 0.1% fees. So we're under 0.1%. And that's very different than. The climate-friendly options that I've come across at least, which tend to be in the 0.5 to 1.5% fee range.
0: And what's in it? What are people actually investing in when they choose this fund?
1: This first product is meant to offer an S&P 500 index fund type portfolio. So you're investing in the top 500 US companies, and we're just removing the fossil fuel companies from that list. So super simple strategy. We're not deciding who are the fossil fuel companies ourselves either. So it's rules-based in that we point to another resource, one created by a nonprofit called As You Sow, which runs a website called fossilfreefunds.org. Their definition of fossil fuel companies is companies that are actually doing the extracting, the refining, the distribution of fossil fuels, or creating the equipment for that, or utility companies that are primarily fossil fuel-fired utilities. And so we use that definition from them. They actually publish a list every month that shows which companies are fossil fuel companies per their definition. We take that list, we screen it against the top 500 US companies in the US that's our list. And that's what you invest in. And we have information on this on our index and fund web pages, which you can find if you go to oursphere.org.
0: Great. And we will include those links in the show notes. So we imagine that a lot of people are getting interested, they're reaching out to their company leadership or their HR team, How are those leaders reacting? Are are they getting annoyed when they hear from their employees that they actually have preferences?
1: It's funny. So we actually were spending a lot of time talking about our customers and who are they? How do they react on this retreat earlier this week? And we realized that really there are two types of people that engage in this conversation. They're the people who care about climate change. They're following their heart. They want to make a difference. And then there are the people who are bound by regulations. And in the industry, we call it fiduciary duty. So there are people in every organization who are legally bound to make wise decisions as to what goes into a company 401k. And technically, they could go to jail for making bad decisions. So it's a serious legal responsibility. And so how people react to this conversation definitely depends on whether they're somebody who has that fiduciary responsibility or not. So a benefits person, for example, if you email the head of benefits, they might not have that fiduciary responsibility. And typically the reaction there would be, oh, super interesting. What I have found is that benefits people really care about making employees happy. So they're going to reply and say, oh, interesting that you're interested in this. Let me bring it up and see what I can do. And they're happy to be helping employees. They might bring it up with the head of HR who might have that fiduciary responsibility or the CFO who might have that fiduciary responsibility. And those people who have that responsibility then will typically say, huh, I know that there are a lot of regulations involved in this. Let me check with somebody who can advise me on whether we can do this. And that's then typically where the conversation proceeds. We're always building up the resources on our website for how to have that conversation. The things that come up in fiduciary responsibility are number one, returns. How will this fund perform? Is there a chance that employees could lose their life savings by investing in this? Because we can't let that happen as a fiduciary responsible person. And the nice thing about this approach is that there have been a lot of studies showing that removing fossil fuels from a portfolio going back to 40 years has either kept performance the same or more frequently improved returns of financial portfolios because fossil fuel companies have been underperforming the market at large over the long run, over the past 40 years. We also did a 10-year back test on the rules of our index to see, okay, if this index had existed for the past 10 years, how would it have performed? And that test shows exactly what the studies also show, which is you would have done better investing in this 10 years ago than if you had invested in the S&P 500. That's one nice thing to point out to anyone who has that fiduciary responsibility because it gives them assurance that, okay, this is a financially sound decision to make. They also want to look at the risk profile of a fund. The risk profile of this fund is very similar to the risk profile of the S&P 500 index. That shouldn't raise too many flags. They look at the fees, of course, as we discussed, they don't like too expensive of funds. That's why we created this. And so those are the types of, of things that they'll look into. And th- that's the type of conversation that you might end up finding yourself having a back and forth about. And you can always check out our FAQs on our website or even email us at hello at oursphere.org if you want help navigating those conversations as your decision makers at your organization consider adding this type of option into your 401k.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. For many folks, one of the great things about a 401k is that you don't need to think about them, that you set it up when you start a job and then they do the work for you. Has it been hard to get people to start thinking about this aspect of their investment portfolio?
1: It's true. It's a topic where... Oftentimes, people's eyes glaze over when they look at their 401k. And I think it's for a number of reasons. One big reason is I think a lot of people are intimidated by it. They don't really understand all of the vocabulary that's used, all the acronyms, and it's a little intimidating to even think about figuring it out. So it's easier to just plug and play into the default option and let it go. But there have been more studies coming out lately showing that when people have the ability to invest with their values in their 401k, all of a sudden, engagement skyrockets. Participation in 401ks goes up, as well as the amount that people are investing in their 401ks goes up when they're given an option to invest with their values.
0: Yeah, it's been exciting to hear that there's actually a growing movement of people that are working to either lead their companies to find new 401k options or to help their companies catch up to the new options that exist, including Sphere. I just love the simplicity of this and how easy you're making it for folks. You know, there's a lot of people out there that want to do more for climate change. And what you're saying is is that they can actually move a lot of money. And it starts with just sending a simple email. And not just that, but there's a template for that email and other tools and even a supportive community. Makes me think that you're probably seeing a fair amount of traction Are you seeing an uptick in the number of people reaching out and and trying to have an impact in this way?
1: This is something where, as I said before, people care about climate change. People want to figure out how to make a difference on climate change, and oftentimes it's hard to figure out how to do that. And even though 401ks in general are a topic that most people aren't too engaged with, as soon as you give them that as a vehicle to actually be able to make change on climate change, it's something that I've seen a lot of people get excited about. There have actually been movements of employees at big companies pushing for this for years, even before Sphere existed. There are people who were similar to me as CEO at IR Labs, looking for Climate-friendly investment options in 401ks. And it turns out we're all over the place. And I've gotten plugged into some really great communities across a bunch of different companies who have been fighting this fight now for years. And it's fun to, to discover how big that community already is. The atmosphere is the name we've given to that group of change makers, the employees at companies who want to make a difference. And we're working on building out some tools for the atmosphere to help make their lives easier. So some things that we've already put up on our website include that example or template letter to send to HR, the FAQ, but we're building additional tools to make it even easier. So eventually we want people to be able to type in their company name on our website and be able to see exactly how much of their company's 401k is invested in fossil fuel companies and what are the options that are available in their 401k and compare the options that are available to what might be available that's not yet there so that they can really be well-equipped to then go ask for change within
0: their company. Alex, let's zoom in for a second just to get more tangible for folks. If you can, give us an example of an organization you're working with, one that's now letting their employees divest from fossil fuels through their 401k.
1: Yeah, so we did do a blog post that's an interview of the chief investment officer for the University of California retirement plan, because they did do this. And so that's a really helpful interview, I find. So do you want to talk about that? A great example and a really big one is the University of California system. So anyone who works at any UC school has the option to avoid fossil fuel investments in their retirement plan. And it was an exciting decision by the group that runs that. There's this one person, Marco Mertz, who is the chief investment officer for that University of California retirement system. And he did a fantastic interview with us that we published to our blog on our website to really talk about all the thinking that went into making that decision as a fiduciary on that plan how they got comfortable with that decision, how they got all the stakeholder buy-in, and then ended up moving forward in offering that option to UC employees.
0: Great. We'll include a link to that blog post as well in the show notes. Alex, we've been talking mostly about emailing your current benefits team at the company where you're working, but what if you have a 401k from a previous employer? Is there a way that you can get those investments aligned to your values for climate?
1: There is. And it turns out to actually be much easier than trying to do it at your current employee. Probably less overall impact because you're not getting a new addition to the plan for your whole company. You're just doing it for your own dollars. But as a result, much easier because that former company no longer has that fiduciary responsibility over your retirement dollars the day that you walk out the door and are no longer at the company. So what that means is you can choose to roll over that 401k into what's called an IRA. It's basically an individually managed account. And you can do that at, let's say your former employer used Vanguard for the 401k. You would roll over that Vanguard 401k into a Vanguard IRA. Or you could roll it over into any other financial institution you want. So if you have multiple employers, one was at Vanguard, one was at Fidelity, one was at ADP, you choose one of those and roll them all over into one institution to combine everything if you'd like. And when you do that, you then have access to invest in pretty much anything. It's your choice. So this product, this Sphere 500 Fossil Free Index Fund It's just a fund. Anyone can invest in it. You don't have to invest through a 401k. So you can invest through your IRA. You can even just transfer money from your bank account and invest in it. You can make that decision on your own. And some platforms, some investment platforms don't yet have this fund available on them because it's a brand new fund we just launched and we're still working on making it available on all the different investment platforms. So if you search for this fund and you don't find it wherever you do your investing, you can also do the same thing you would do with a company, but just email the customer service of Schwab or Fidelity or whoever it is and ask them to add this fund. And the more requests like that they get, the quicker they are to add new funds.
0: Great. Can you mention which partners already have the, the your Fossil Free Fund listed?
1: Sure. The biggest one is Vanguard. We're also on Interactive Brokers and so this fund is custodied and administrated by U.S. Bank, so you can invest just directly by opening an account at U.S. Bank.
0: Fantastic. Alex, you've surely thought a lot about how people can have a real impact on climate change through their investments. Aside from 401ks, are there other investment strategies that you think people should consider?
1: Well, I always tell people you should max out your 401k first, It's just a really important way to maximize how much you're saving for retirement because it's pre-tax dollars. So you have more money to contribute. And then what you're contributing is growing more because you have more to put in in the first place when it's pre-tax dollars. So max out your 401k first. After that, it depends really on personal preference. So 401ks are great for having a well-diversified investment strategy It's generally on the safer side of things, but if you have extra money to invest, you might want to invest in a sector-specific investment, for example. So let's say you want to be investing more in solar and wind in particular, there are ETFs and mutual funds that specifically invest in the climate tech future. And you can choose to make that investment. And you can even do that without investing yourself. So everybody banks somewhere. Most people, not everyone is banked, but anyone who does bank has their money parked in a savings account and checking account at some financial institution. And a lot of the time we don't think about what that institution does with our money while it's sitting in that bank account. But it turns out they're using those deposits to lend out money all the time. And so where you choose to bank can also have a really big impact. And a lot of the big banks use your money to finance fossil fuel projects. Uh, You can move your banking over to some newer banks that don't do that. And that can change your money so that instead of... financing a new coal mine, for example, you're financing new solar projects that are going up and new wind projects that are going up. One of our board members, Marilyn Waite, has a a personal website where she's done a great job of cataloging all of the green banks that exist. And so we can put that in the show notes too, probably. The link to her website so you can see all the great green banking options that are out there.
0: Fantastic. And I'll also mention that we talked to Ravi Mickelson, founder of Atmos Financial in a previous episode, which we'll link as well. And Atmos Financial is exactly that. It's a green bank that's making sure that your deposits don't go to fund fossil fuels, or the private prison system, or many other things that you might object to. Your deposits go only to fund renewable energy. Alex, this podcast, Investing in Climate, aims to help people do more to address climate change really through five categories of action, work, investments, learning, lifestyle, and activism. We've talked a lot about investment, but you're a climate warrior with many different hats that you wear and a lot of experience. I'm curious, are there steps that you'd encourage listeners to consider in any of those other categories of work, learning, lifestyle, or activism?
1: I would like to focus on work. And I listened to another podcast, which one of its original hosts was this scientist, Ayana Elizabeth Johnson. It's called How to Save a Planet. And she has talked about this on that podcast on how do you find the right thing to work on in climate? If you want to have your day-to-day job be in climate, what do you do? What I really like about the framework that she proposes is that it's not prescriptive. It's not this is the one thing everyone should do. Instead, it's really a framework for how you figure out what your unique contribution should be. And it's a Venn diagram with three circles. One circle is what are you good at? I hope I get this right. (laughs) (laughs) The next circle is what are you passionate about? And then the third is what needs doing? And you find the intersection of those three circles. Let's put the link to this Venn diagram in the show notes too. So if I get this wrong, people can at least go find the right Venn diagram. Absolutely. The essence is basically you're finding that place of overlap where you have something unique to contribute. For me, I am an entrepreneur. I know how to take things from nothing to something. And I'm passionate about climate change and what needs doing. Hey, I came across this thing in 401ks and I realized that needs doing. So that's why I started Sphere. For everybody, it'll be a a little bit of something different. But this is the challenge of our generation, right? It's the challenge of our lifetimes. So we need everybody working on it. We need everyone doing what they personally can do. And in a lot of cases, it won't be, oh, you have to change jobs. In a lot of cases, it will be, oh, you can make impact right where you are by working on a a different project or encouraging your company to do something different. And we need everyone thinking that way if we want to be able to turn this thing around.
0: Alex, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that you've spent this time with us today. I've learned a lot and love that there's such actionable ways for people to move significant amounts of money through their 401ks. Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Any nuggets of wisdom? And also, if people are interested, how can they follow up and get in touch?
1: I would just say a big theme that I've been focused on recently is that we should let go of our climate guilt. This idea that, oh, I should feel guilty for driving a car or, oh, I forgot to turn off the light and left it on all night by accident. Those types of things, yes, they're important. And if you can drive less or shut off lights, great. But what's really going to change things is systems change. We need systems change so that there are better public transportation options so you don't have to drive your car to get where you need to go. And it's easier to install solar panels on your roof and the infrastructure is there to be able to drive electric cars. And so we need to take, I think, some of the focus off of that individual carbon footprint and put it more towards what can we do to help create that systems change? So think about what in your career you can do to help create systems change. Never forget to go out and vote because policy has a huge impact on systems change. And the reason that I think being thoughtful about your money and where you invest it and where you bank is important is because money has a huge impact on creating systems change. So think about the systems change that you can help create. And in terms of how people can learn more, just don't hesitate to reach out anytime at hello at rsphere.org, especially as you're starting to engage your head of HR or your 401k provider with these this conversation on adding climate-friendly options, and we'll be happy to help support that conversation and push it forward.
0: Alex, thank you so much for your time today. I've learned a lot. I'm very excited to make sure that my 401k dollars are all going in the right places, and I hope that many other people both reach out and start thinking this way too. Thanks again, and best of luck.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jason.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes Sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.